Well, good morning, Every Nation Sums West family, friends, anyone that's joining us for this an online service or in person this morning. I'm so excited to open up the Word of God with you today as we are in the third week of our Art of Neighboring series. Our heart really for this series is to remind as a church, to remind us that we are a church on mission, that God has called us to look out in our communities and around our fences and in our streets and wherever we go for those that the Father is drawing to reach out to them and to bring them into the household of faith which we get to be a part of. The first week Michelle did a great job to encourage us from the commandment of Jesus to love God with everything and to love our neighbor as ourselves. And last week Dave did phenomenal in talking about the most pressing need and that is to hear what's on Jesus' heart and to do that. And this morning I'm excited to continue with the third installment in the series. We're going to talk a little bit about our comforts and the discomfort often in reaching out to those around us. Now I'm sitting here in the beautiful Gordons Bay Harbor this morning. Behind me you can see the Helderberg Basin. What an incredible place to live in. And since 2004, Elena and I have moved nine times. And out of those nine times, seven times have been within the Helderberg Basin. We've lived all across, in Somerset West, in Strand, and in Gordons Bay. And something that's been amazing in that journey of moving through so many places and we we're up for our 10th move in a couple of months time and hopefully our last move for quite some time but we got to experience all the beautiful cultures and diversity of the people of the Helderberg Basin and within all of those cultures and diversity different kinds of people in different kinds of contexts and at some times we found ourselves very comfortable in the community that we live in and at other times we found ourselves a little bit more uncomfortable. But in all of that, we discovered Jesus' heart for all kinds of people. And that's really the, the aim of the message this morning, is to focus on Jesus and how He embraces all kinds of people. Jesus was comfortable in the company of all kinds of neighbors. All of the neighbors that Jesus got and had moments of encounter with, He was comfortable to be there, to be present and to engage them. And the stories we're going to look at is Jesus not only just engaging them on the street, but being in their homes, sitting at their tables. The word recline at the table is going to come up and it's, it gives an image of Jesus not just sitting at a table, but leaning back, relaxing in the environment of all kinds of people. You see, Jesus stepped out of the context of heaven. And may I, may I use this example, the comforts and the perfection of heaven to come into the discomfortable environment of this world so that He can recline and be with all of us. And that is the heart we should have in this journey of the art of neighboring, to become a little bit more uncomfortable and recline around those lives that God has for, for us to reach out to. Out of our context, into a new context to bring Jesus. So the message this morning is going to be titled, A Tale of Two Tables. We're going to be looking at two passages of Scripture out of the Gospel of Luke, the first one in Luke chapter 5 and then the second one in Luke chapter 7 of how Jesus was reclining at two very different tables and how He exercised the art of neighboring. So let's get going. The first table we're going to look at is the sick sinner's table and we're going to be reading from Luke chapter 5. It'll be up on the screen and you can follow with me. After this, He went out and saw a tax collector named Levi. Sitting at the tax booth, he said to him, follow me. 
And leaving everything, he rose and followed him. And Levi made him a great feast in his house. And there was a large company of tax collectors and others reclining at table with him. And the Pharisees and their scribes grumbled at his disciples, saying, Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? And Jesus answered them, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Lord Jesus, I pray as we look at the example that you have set in reaching out to our neighbors, that we would be inspired and that we would be convicted to leave our own comforts and become a little bit uncomfortable in the places we engage so that we can seek those whom the Father is drawing unto himself. Pray, Lord, as we open up your word, that your Holy Spirit would anoint it. And I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. So here's our first table this morning. Jesus sitting at the table of what I want to call the sick sinners, because that's a word that Jesus used himself. And here he is right after calling Levi, and, and, and Levi found Jesus and met Jesus, and he's like, I'm going to throw a party so that my friends get to be introduced to this Jesus that has changed my life. And the next moment we see Jesus with his disciples at a party in Levi's house. Now Levi was a tax collector, and by nature and by culture, his world would have been that he would have been really good friends with a whole lot of thieves and people living sinful lives. And here Jesus comfortably embraces this world and goes to Levi's house to sit and have a meal together with him and his friends. And then we see the Pharisees arriving right on time with all of their prejudice and their ideas. And they, they observe Jesus from a distance and they call some of his disciples and say, Hey, wait a minute, he's the teacher. And just a few verses before, we've, we've started calling him the prophet of which the Bible has been prophesied. And John the Baptist showed us that this might be the Messiah. Why on earth is he sitting with sinners? Why on earth is he spending time with those that is just a little bit off from the way of life? I love how Jesus responded. And I'm going to read from the New Living Translation. Jesus answered them, Healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. I have come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners and need to repent. Jesus discerned and probably heard what the Pharisees were thinking and saying. And he said, guys, let me help you here. My purpose in coming to this world, the very reason that I am here is responding to the call of those who are sinners those who are sick and broken in their sin and to be around them because I'm coming as the great physician of souls to reach their lives. And the Pharisees just couldn't get this. I think in their heart they knew if they were sitting around the table with the sinners, they might have joined in with their sin. Because that's how it is with us humans. We try and live this righteous life and often find ourselves in our self-righteousness, but when things are a little bit comfortable, and we get to embrace some spaces which is a little bit more sinful and our flesh starts taking over. We find ourselves in that same way. And for them it was hard to understand it, that a man like Jesus could be in a place of sinners and not sin. And this is the first principle that I want to leave with us today. Uh, the first principle from this table is that being among sinners but not being sinful. That's what Jesus did. He was amongst them. But he did not participate in their sinfulness. And this, I believe, is what God has called his body to be. 
amongst the table of the six sinners, embracing their world, their spaces, going into their homes, sitting, reclining, having conversation, doing life together, yet without engaging the sin. And I can say that confidently because scripture is clear that Jesus did not sin in any way. He was the perfect example and he lived the perfect life which all of us should have lived according to the law and in no way did he stumble in any way, yet he was in a world where sinners lived and he did so comfortably. And I think that is what the heart of Jesus is for all of us. To go to the tables that maybe we have already prejudged in our hearts, to go to spaces where it's a little bit uncomfortable and maybe overtly worldly, but we are willing to be there because we are the agents of change. We are the light and the darkness cannot hold it and comprehend it and, and keep it down. And, and I love so much that the other night on our neighboring classroom, we spoke about this idea if, if our God is so small that we don't want to be around the world of darkness and sins, how small have our God become? But because we have Christ Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit within us, we can be around the environment of sinners and yet be without sin. And that I believe is the art of neighboring. It's learning that art of being in the places where the world is and being the light. And I can imagine Jesus with those friends and sometimes just leaning into their stories and their world, but he didn't sin, but he allowed himself to be in a position where he could share his story, where he could share his heart. And that is what I believe God has called each one of us to. 1 Peter 3 verse 15 says it like this, in your hearts honor Christ, the Lord is holy always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect, having a good conscience. You see, we aren't only inspired by Jesus to live in, in this world holy unto Him. In other words, that means set apart, not falling into the traps of sin, but we're also instructed by Jesus to do so in a way that others might look at our lives and ask us, what is that that you have that I don't? And then we should be ready to give a defense of the hope that we believe in, in a gentle and a respectful way. How gentle and respectful are you around those who are sick in their sin? Do you align with the mission of Jesus to be the great physician of souls who go and seek those who are sick in their sin and see them set free? Because that is the purpose of the church, to be around those tables and reach those people yet without sin. And 1 Peter 3 verse 15 said that it is possible to do so in a way where our conscience is good and clean because we have not stepped into the world of sin, although we have stepped into the spaces of sinners. And that's the first principle from the first table. Now we're going to move to Luke chapter 7 and look at the second table. The second table we see Jesus at in Luke chapter 7 is the table of the Pharisee. He's just been at the table of the sinners. But now he's at the table of one of the Pharisees called Simon. And I'm going to call this the table of the familiar Pharisee. Let's read together Luke 7 verse 36. One of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him. And he went into the Pharisee's house and reclined at table. And behold, a woman of the city who was a sinner when she learned that he was reclining at table in the Pharisee's house brought an alabaster flask of ointment and standing behind him at his feet weeping. She began to wet his feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head and kissed his feet and anointed them with the ointment. Now when the Pharisees who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, 
If this man were a prophet, he would have known who and what sort of woman this is who is touching him, for she is a sinner. All of a sudden, the picture and the tables turn. In the first table, the first setting, Jesus was with the sinners and the Pharisees were far off and didn't come in. But in the second picture, Jesus is with the Pharisee, but the sinner still felt welcome to step inside to the scene and come and meet with Jesus. And here he is spending time with Simon by invitation. And I'm not sure what the conversation has been about, but it's clear later on as we read that, that this Pharisee esteemed Jesus as a rabbi, as a teacher, someone that he wants to learn from and listen to. And while they're busy go, going around their business, around the table, eating a meal, this woman steps into the scene in her brokenness, in her filth, in her dirt, and she falls down at the feet of Jesus and she starts crying over his feet and with her hair she starts wiping off the dust of his feet and then she takes an expensive vial of oil and she pours it over his feet. And Simon the Pharisee was completely and utterly shocked by what was taking place. And he said, well, if this Jesus was the prophet that a couple of chapters before we've made him out to be, then as a prophet, he would know that this woman is so dirty in her sin that he would stand back and say, woman, you're not allowed to touch me. Because even in the customs of where they lived in that time, if a woman was touching a man like that, it would have been considered sinful and dirty. But nonetheless, just a woman, this woman, this utterly despised sinful woman touching the feet of Jesus and Simon the Pharisee was in deep shock not knowing what to do with this situation and here we see lesson number two from the second table being amongst the unrighteous without being self-righteous you see there was a clash there was a clash of the self-righteousness of the Pharisee and the unrighteousness of this woman at the feet of Jesus and the self-righteousness of the Pharisee was against the self-awareness of the sinner. See, the Pharisee was so in his own, own world of doing everything so well and, and so focused on the pride of that, that he was completely unaware that the sinner was aware of her brokenness and the conviction that she was feeling. Jesus wasn't self-righteous in any way, although he was the only one that could be because he was without sin. He didn't join the conversation with Simon the Pharisee and said, you know what, that's true. This woman is quite, quite sinful and sure she ought not to even be under the roof of your house. Let's chase her out. No, Jesus in all of his fully righteous state did not lean to the side of self-righteousness, but he re reached out to this woman in her unrighteousness. And the Pharisee was upset that this sinful woman was under his roof. How did Jesus respond? Well, this is what he said to Simon the Pharisee. And Jesus answering him said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. And he answered, say it, teacher. Now I can imagine for a moment that Simon was ready for Jesus to say, you know what? Yes, you are quite right in your perfection of following the law and, and all your efforts and doing and doing life so perfectly as a Christian or whatever word was used in that time as a devout follower of the way you are quite right this woman is not welcome so Simon was ready for the teacher to say well done Simon you've discerned right this woman is not welcome but then Jesus surprises him 
in a unique way. He says, I'm going to tell you a story. And I'm going to get back to the story in a moment. But what Jesus then does is amazing. He tells him a story and then he compares the self-righteous Simon to the unrighteous woman in just the normal things that they did. He brings up three things. He says, Simon, do you know what? I came here as a guest to your house and you did not even offer water for my feet to clean my feet, which was custom. If any guest walked into a Hebrew home, that's what needed to happen. You had to supply some water or get your servants to bring water and wash the feet of your guest. But Simon neglected to do so, maybe because he was so familiar with Jesus. He said, you didn't even bring water for my feet. And here's a woman lying at my feet, wetting my feet with her tears and taking her own hair to wipe it off. He said, secondly, Simon, you didn't anoint my head with oil. Again, this was custom in the Hebrew world that when a guest comes and a guest of honor, you would put anointing oil on the head. He says, here she is with an expensive piece of perfume and vial of perfume pouring it out on me. And then he said, thirdly, Simon, you didn't even kiss me to welcome me into your home. The brotherly kiss of acceptance. And here this woman is kissing my feet. And we see this contrast between the unrighteous and the self-righteous. The religious familiarity of the Pharisee has put him at contempt with Jesus in his self-righteousness. He didn't even offer hospitality to Christ. Where the worshipful approach of the sinner offered her conviction and changed her unrighteousness. And I've seen this, how hospitable sinners become when Jesus walks into their world. How their lives become an open door, an open vessel for Him to work in. And that I believe is what God is calling His church to. To not just live along the, along, amongst the self-righteous or yes, those of us who are made righteous with Jesus. But to be in the places where the unrighteous is. And we will be surprised at just how welcoming they are in the message of Jesus. The Pharisee was so familiar with Jesus that he had contempt in his heart for the things Jesus did. May we never be a church who's just so familiar with the things of church that we become contempt in the way of reaching out to those who are broken and needs this. It's interesting that the self-righteous man probably had a whole lot of words to share with Jesus. Jesus didn't let him, but he probably had a lot to say and he challenged Jesus where the unrighteous woman didn't speak one word. And again, we see that when the self-righteous, where they are, there are words of plenty, but where the unrighteous are, they just come as they are with their hearts of worship and brokenness before Jesus. And He accepts us. And I want to bring this to a close. In going back to the story that Jesus shared with Simon before He spoke about how Simon was unhospitable and this woman was hospitable to Jesus. And you'll see in this story that the forgiveness that Jesus brought was for both of them. He tells the story of a money lender that lent to the one person 50 denarii, or let's call it 50 coins, and to the other person he borrowed 500 coins. And neither of these two, the one with the 500 coins or the one with the 50 coins, could pay back the money lender. They were both indebted. And Jesus shared this parable with Simon and said, if both of their debts have been paid off, which one of the two would 
love the money lender more for what he's done. And, and then Simon said, well, clearly the one of whom more has been forgiven. And then Jesus said, that's true. You have judged rightly. The one of whom plenty is forgiven will love more, will love plenty. But what Jesus was doing in this moment, and he was saying this about the money lender, when they could not pay, he canceled the depth of both. What Jesus was doing in this moment is he was speaking about the two sides. And he was actually bringing the self-righteous Pharisee and the unrighteous sinner a little bit closer. He's saying, on the one side, there's one who only owes 50 coins. And you, Pharisee, I see in this side. Yes, you, you live life pretty well. You live according to the law, but there's some stuff. Some stuff that you cannot pay for out of your own strength. Because we are saved by grace, not by our own works. And your works is getting in the way of accepting the grace of the moneylender. And then on the other side, there's a woman who's got 500 marks against us. So much more. Ten times more. Ten times more sin. Ten times more filth. But both of these sides, we see the moneylender paying the debt. And isn't this the picture that Jesus was trying to paint to the Pharisee and to the woman in the room at the same time. The picture of arms stretched wide, 50 and 500. The picture of the Savior on the cross who has come for both, who has come for both tables. The tables of those who are so sick in their sin and the table of those who are so full of their self-righteousness. And this, I believe, is the message of of, of the art of neighboring that takes us to all the tables in this world that we can find ourselves. Because the one thing that all these tables are, have in common is that all of us have a debt that had to be paid. And that debt is only paid in Christ Jesus. The debts of the unrighteous and the debts of the self-righteous is paid for at the feet of His righteousness. So this morning, I want to inspire you with this, that Christ has come to make the ground, to, to give us level ground, to give us level ground in this world where we find ourselves often in the presence of sinners, to give us level ground in this world where we find ourselves often in the rooms of the self-righteous. He said, all of you are exactly at the same place. You are all indebted. And this is again the gospel message of Jesus Christ that it doesn't matter whether it's 50 or 500. Salvation has come. Grace has come. Colossians 3 says it so beautifully. And you who were dead in your trespasses, God made alive together with Him, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This He set aside, nailing it to the cross. Jesus loves reclining at every potential table where He can bring this message to the world. Can we be a church that can say, my debt, whether it's 50 or 500, has been forgiven, so I will go, not like the Pharisee, and turn my eyes away from those who live in sin. I will go like Jesus and recline at the tables wherever it's possible to bring the love of Jesus without sin, without falling into the compromise of this world and be the example that they need. And amongst those that live so in their self-righteous state of being so perfect, to go and inspire and invite them back to the mission of Jesus. And again, the words of Jesus, I have come to seek those who are sick because they are in need of a doctor. And you know how he does that? He does it through me and you, his church. He does that through 
the art of neighboring.